Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, and it is Wednesday, July 25th. It is 7.30 at night, and we are getting ready for NFL training camp. That's right. This is the NFL training camp special. Everybody's about reported to camp at this point today, yesterday, maybe tomorrow. So a lot of stuff going on, whether it's not just the Browns, but also Going to be covering a little bit of the Giants, little Jets, little Colts, little here and there, all over the place today. But uh, a few guests to come on to talk training camp preview. There are a lot of questions going on. Maybe a little bit of Hard Knocks talk. Maybe a little bit of Josh Gordon talk. A lot of things going on. So, uh, without further ado, here we go with the NFL preview for 2018 training camp special. All right, joining us now on the pod is... Stephen C. Lorenzo of NBC Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen C. Lorenzo. Stephen, how we doing, man? What's up, Jake? Thanks for having me on again, man. I appreciate it. It's been a little too long, but uh, from what it sounds like, you've been pretty busy recently. Yeah, uh, I had the uh, you know finished up the hockey playoffs, um, Stanley Cup playoffs in, in June. Um, then I had a little time off, and then I just did the Tour of France. Uh, for the third straight year, um, I my last day was today, and they have like three more, uh, three more stages left in that. It looks like the uh, the winner is already crowned. Um, and then uh, I'm getting ready to do a bunch of training camps for NFL. I'm getting ready for uh, another football season. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really I'm really pumped. I mean, uh, obviously, our two teams were kind of bottom of the barrel teams this year. Mine more so than anyone else's ever. But uh, I think there's some reason for some optimism in at least the Colts camp and the Browns camp this year. Now, before we get into those individual teams, uh, where are you going? Any Anywhere specific that you can let us know of uh, uh, for training camps? Uh, I'm hitting, I believe, 11 different camps in 10 days. Um, and I will be going to Cleveland. So uh, if you do have any questions for your Browns, um, I uh, certainly will because you know what you'll be the best media member we have there because Browns <laughs> Browns media is atrocious. So uh, uh, outside of you, no, they're ju- they've just they're fed up and they are just doomsday uh, reactors. And I mean, off the air, I'll tell you exactly what to do and say to Tony Grossi when you see him. But outside <laughs> outside of that, outside of that, I'll leave that off the air. No, 31 games, but yeah, I know, it's easy. But it's just, you know what, it's a whole thing. I've had, I mean, it's from promising to eat shit if uh, the Browns draft Baker Mayfield and then not addressing it. I'm like, hey, eat the shit or quit. Like, they, they said, I'll quit if Baker Mayfield is drafted by the Browns. I'm like, have you quit yet? So, uh, I saw one of your tweets and said, eat the shit already. Yeah. I had no clue what you were talking about. That gives me a lot more uh, context. Draft day. Draft day three months ago, almost three months to the day, Aaron Goldhammer, a local Browns radio guy, uh, went out and said, if they if they draft Baker Mayfield with first overall pick, I will eat dog shit. So a lot of people are waiting on him to do that. And anytime he criticizes anyone on Twitter, I just like to take a shot at him saying, by the way, you have zero credibility. Eat the shit. Tony, yeah, and then Tony Grossi, I've had issues with for years now, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what to say to them at another date. But regardless, Browns media could use a little boost. So happy to see you going out there. Outside of Cleveland, where are you going? Um, I believe uh, I'll probably leave one out, but I'm going to be in Cleveland, then Pittsburgh, New York for the Bills, and then I go down to. Uh, I go to West Virginia, which I believe is the Texans. Then I'm in, I say, the Panthers, and then the Falcons, then the Titans, then the Colts, then the Packers. There's the Lions are somewhere in there, and then the Vikings. I, I might have gone out of order a little bit, and I might have missed one, but that's pretty much the uh, the, uh, the crux of it. Um, and I'm driving to all those places. so That is something. It's going to be putting on some, some miles for her. That's that is not too bad. I mean, that's a very solid ten days. 
noticing a lot of NFC North teams, and I was actually just looking at Vikings camp today, seeing Dalvin Cook coming back from injury, breaking off the brace. That's one of the very competitive divisions I'm looking at this year. So I'm really interested to see what you report back from there because I could see one through four kind of going any way except the Vikings being somewhere near the top. Uh, you know what, you know, like I, I agree, like that's obviously a pretty interesting division this year other than the Bears. I mean, I think everybody agrees the Bears are probably going to be bad again. But anytime you look at a division and you think, oh, like this could go to two or three different teams before the season, typically like one team you thought was going to be good will fade to the bottom of the pack and it becomes like either like a, a one team dominating or a two team race. Like I almost, almost never do you like go into a season saying, oh man, this is like a toss up between all three or four teams and then that's the way it pans out, you know, one yeah. team ends up being terrible. So I don't know who that would be. I mean, I can't imagine, um, Green Bay being bad with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, and obviously uh, the Vikings showed last year that they're they're for real. Um, the, the Lions always managed to be at least mediocre, um, so I don't know. And again, I, I mean, I don't expect too much out of the Bears. I think uh, you know, Trubisky's got to show me a little more, um, yeah, mm-hmm. on the field. But um, yeah, I mean, it should be a good division, and uh, I'm excited. Like with this this, um, this trip, not only football wise, but a number of these. I've never been to. Like I've never been to Wisconsin. I've never been to uh, to uh, Michigan. Um, so there's just a couple of them that I've never been to. So it's gonna be cool to kind of see the country, you know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's also a very cool angle to play. The whole like getting to see the country. I actually did a little bit of that last year, where my aunt out of just nowhere said, "Hey, would you be interested in going to a Big Ten football game?" And I was like, "Wait, like, like she really caught me off guard because." I, you know, I had never known her to be much of a football fan, and then she just invites me to go out to Lincoln, Nebraska, to see Nebraska play, and I loved it there, and it was very cool. And and you know, you know, like anyone that knows me, I'm a big like stadium junkie. I'm a big Big Ten fan, and I love just going around and seeing different stadiums. I was very happy to make it to Lincoln, so I'm with you on this whole traveling thing. Green Bay, you know, that's on my bucket list of NFL towns to go check out. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see Lambo. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, like who isn't exactly? Like that's yeah. like the the cream of the crop. And hey, while you're traveling, if you stumble upon a pretty obscure shot glass and you want to add one to the collection that I've got, I'm looking at 191 shot glasses right now from around the world. Wow. So and yeah, and so I mean, hey, you Venmo me and I'll I'll shoot you a couple bucks and you make top shelf with a Wisconsin one or something out there, you know. Okay. All right. Hey, hey, I just thought I'd offer. Uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the one thing, though, about the divisions, you know, top to bottom. I, I for one, think the Bears are going to be a lot better than people expect, but I don't see them making the playoffs. I just see a, a lot of improvement. One division I can't figure out, and it's going to be very exciting because in the last few years it hasn't been a great division, but I think it's going to be tight, is the AFC South. You know, you have, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited to watch these games. You know, a lot of times it's like the, you know, the butt of the joke. But last year you had the Titans make the playoffs. You had the Jaguars come very close to making the Super Bowl. And, you know, outside of the quarterback position, they're a very complete team. Then you have the two bottom teams of the division, the Texans and the Colts, returning their franchise quarterbacks. And when both of them were healthy, the last time we saw those franchise quarterbacks play, those teams were the crop of the division. So I'm very excited to see how this division goes. Do you have any takes? I know you're a Colts fan. What do you got? Yeah, I, listen, I think um, that is one division where, I, to your point, you would look at it and you'd say, like, all four of these teams, I, I could see any of them coming out. Um, I, I think Jacksonville on paper is obviously the best team, but rarely does a team have a year like Jacksonville did they come out of nowhere seemingly go 10-6 I think they were and almost make the Super Bowl without taking a step back I mean that's just typically how things go in the NFL you're just not a 10 win team two years in a row out of nowhere um, so I would I would expect them to take a little bit of a step back Houston scares me I mean I know they were 4-12 same as the Colts last year but like to your point Deshaun Watson was so good when he was healthy um, that defense is legit um, 
J.J. Watt has to stay healthy, obviously. And then the Colts are just a huge question mark because they're so bad with Andrew Luck out, but it seems like Andrew Luck is healthy. I think they announced today that he's going to play the first preseason game. I mean, that probably means he'll take two or three snaps, but it's just... Uh, I, and, and the Titans are kind of a question mark, too, right? Because I think I picked them to win the division last year and it was almost a disappointing 9-7 and seven for them. Like, they, they seemed like they should have been an even better team than they were, and they kind of just kind of sputtered out in the uh, playoffs. So you have four interesting quarterbacks there because the worst quarterback in the division is on the best team. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a mystery who the best quarterback in that division is because you haven't seen much out of Watson. Mariota's just solid, and Luck, on paper, is the best quarterback in that division, but we haven't seen him play in almost two years. So who knows what you're going to get out of him. I'm hoping that Indy is obviously better than 4-12. and 12. I, I would put them at probably about 8-8, eight and eight, which could be um, good enough to get in the playoffs. I just don't know what to expect out of the rest of the team. And I just think that, you know, a healthy luck gives you a bunch more wins last year. Obviously, he's a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett is. And they had an unspeakably bad, historically bad, second half slash fourth quarter statistics last year where they were in games almost every game in the first half. And they would just find ways to lose. And you would imagine that if luck is healthy, that stops or at least isn't nearly as catastrophic as it was last year. So hopefully they're better this year. I just, I, I, I was proven wrong so many times by Jacksonville last year, doubting them. Mm-hmm. I know their defense is all world, but I just don't see them being as good this year, 10-6. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, look, it. a lot of it depends on, you know, does Bortles improve? Because he's getting to a point in his career where it's like, you know, you expect guys to kind of top out once they reach years three, four, five. It's not like they're going to suddenly find it at this point in their career. So I'm very interested to see what happens with Blake Bortles, you know. And it is funny you mentioned, you know, the quarterbacks, the investment these teams have made. (laughs) The division has the first, second, third, and twelfth picks, you know, are quarterbacks. Like that's that's pretty remarkable. It's there there aren't any second rounders, there aren't any sixth rounders. These are guys that were top draft picks, were looked at the league, and it, for the longest time, this division wasn't really that great. So I'm really excited. And to your point about the Titans, how many times do you have a playoff team going into training camp with a brand new head coach? You know, they, they fired their head coach thinking they weren't, you know, were expected to do better against the Patriots, I guess, in the playoffs. And still kind of came out flat, you know. And they they beat the Chiefs, you know. Like, they won a playoff game and he still got fired. That was, to me, that was a very crazy turn of events. And uh, it should be a very interesting division. I'm, uh, I don't have any dog in the race. I have friends that are fans of Colts, Jaguars, and Titans. So, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be peeking in and out of that division all year long. But... It should be really exciting. And I am really hoping Andrew Luck, you know, just plays 16 games. Uh, You said they cleared him for exhibition game one, which is great because there's no way he puts those pads on if they're not like a thousand percent sure that he's good to go, considering how long it's been since he's been on the field. So the fact... Everything, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) That's how you have to think with Luck at this point because they've said so many times that He's fine, he's gathering, everything's under control, everything's on schedule, and obviously that was not the case. Just to bring up something you said before, I was just looking back at the score of the uh, that Titans-Chiefs game. I completely forgot how ridiculous of a choke that was by the Chiefs in that game. Oh, it was unbelievable. They were, they were up, what, 21-0 or 21-3? It was like 21-3, it was something pretty lopsided, and they were close to scoring another touchdown right before the half. Yeah, and I think something, and I'm trying to remember, something happened with Kelsey, too, where he was, oh, he got his bell wrong, right? And yeah. And was out of the game. Well, yeah, I, yeah. So they just completely blew that game in Kansas City. 22-21, but won that game. Yeah, I, rem- I, I, I remember that being like a, okay, it was a blowout at halftime, 
and then it was basically a reverse blow. Like, it was a blowout for the other team in the second half, and you're like, Mariota had the touchdown pass to himself, which was like the hot, yeah, which was like the highlight of the week, and it's just crazy that after that, and then they go up to Foxborough, and you know they get wiped by you know the Patriots, and still fire head coach, you know, and look, I like Mike Vrabel, and I wish him a lot of luck. I'm, on, I'm, uh, you know, I root for Ohio State guys when they make it to the NFL, so he fits the mold. Uh, I'm just it, very curious, you know, how much they're going to change things up from a playoff team. I'm used to firing coaches when you've got nothing to lose. So, I mean, yeah. the fact that you're 10-6 and six or 9-7, and seven, you do have a lot to lose when you change a coach. Right, and that's what the Colts did. So I'm hoping uh, the new coach changes the culture there a little bit. There was, Yeah, I was a fan of Pagano in the beginning when he was there, but it just became the, the same old stick every single day with him. And uh, obviously they got tired of it, and... Um, the results weren't there, so uh, a healthy walk, uh, a regime change. Hopefully, that makes them a little better in Indianapolis. Uh, we'll see very soon. Yeah, I mean, look, I like what they've done. Uh, you know, I was a fan of their draft all throughout the draft. I couldn't stop texting you how much I was liking everything they were doing. Uh, you have Andrew Luck. The most important thing to do for an often injured quarterback is to protect him. And that's what they did. They got one of the best protectors I've ever watched play football. Quentin Nelson, I've seen him play in high school. I've seen him play in college. And I'm going to watch him in the pros, too, because I'm very excited for him. He comes from a great family. He's a great kid. I, I know them personally. I have nothing but awesome things to say about the Nelsons and Quentin. And then they double up and get the Auburn guard, uh, Braden, and, uh, in the second round. And I was like, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing if you want to, you know, protect Andrew Luck and make him the franchise. So hats off to Ballard for trading back from three, getting some extra picks, and still getting what my top guy in the draft was. Yeah, and that just obviously made me uh, feel pretty good about myself that you said he was the best player in the entire draft. You watch a lot more college football than I do. I knew he was good. I mean, I know people have been heralding him as a I mean, surefire Hall of Famer, basically, is what he came in uh, regarded as. So, if you're going to, it's, it's such an unsexy pick to do that, but it's what you have to do to keep Luck healthy, and you've seen the results without Luck that they're just not a good team. So, yeah. ho- hopefully it works out, and, and like you said, they, they got uh, Braden Smith as well. So hopefully it works out. They keep him healthy. There, there's a lot of holes seemingly on offense and defense. They don't have both of their starting safeties right now. Their second wide receiver is Ryan Grant. Yeah. So they, they have some holes, but again, last year was historically bad in the second half. They were good enough to be in games in the first half. They just needed a way to close, and you bring back your Pro Bowl quarterback and hopefully have it protected, that should improve your team dramatically. So, we'll see, man. It's going to be an interesting race in the AFC South. It doesn't happen very often. That's another thing about football where, like, the laughing stock division rises to the top every three or four years. Yeah. I mean, remember, like, how bad the NFC, uh, NFC West used to be? Yeah. And oh. then all of a sudden it was, you know, the, the Seahawks and the Niners for a few years were really good and... Cardinals, yeah, Cardinals went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Rams are looking great. Yeah, I'm, and now they're kind of bad. And now they're kind of bad again because you feel like, I mean, at least I feel like the Rams should run away with that division. The Seahawks is kind of a question mark. Arizona is going to stink. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Um, but it, it's interesting how the NFL just the parity kind of ebbs and flows in a lot of these divisions, unless you're in the AFC East. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You look at uh, consistency, and it's everyone else in the AFC East not winning. Um, no, it's it should be a very interesting camp. Uh, I'm really excited to hear what you have uh, coming up, and uh, when you get back, I'd love to talk to you and pick your brain about what you've seen and what you're liking from these camps because, I mean, it's football season. It's really exciting. So, Stephen, really appreciate you coming on the pod and uh, doing the NFL preview special with me. All right, have a good one, man. You too. All right. All right, that was Steven Lorenzo. 
good friend of mine from the way back, actually one of my first roommates in New York City when I was trying to make it big time as a part-timer for Madison Square Garden and copy editor at Sports Illustrated. Steven's got a lot of great insight. A tortured Colts fan, he believes is tortured, but I believe had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck won the Super Bowl, so... You know, to be honest, how tortured can he be? But Colts kind of looking up, you know, as long as they can protect Andrew Luck. It's a very interesting division, that AFC South. Should be a lot of fun to watch those Thursday night football games that nobody usually likes watching. Uh, I myself am a huge Deshaun Watson fan. I do like Marcus Mariota, but I do think uh, he's not in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's kind of in that Tyrod Taylor Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, you know, still above Tannehill range, but uh, a, a lot of fun in that division, and uh, will be exciting to pick his brain upon return of all of his training camp <laughs> stories. I mean, this is this is wild. He'll be with NBC Sports, and you know, you know, they've got a lot of great guys, so he'll hopefully be picking the brain of some of the bigwigs. But uh, we appreciate Stephen coming onto the podcast. Coming up next, we've got a couple Cleveland guys. Uh, it should be a lot of fun with a lot of Josh Gordon talk ahead. A lot of this, you know, the, is he in the right, is he in the wrong to be taking it now? Should be very interesting stuff. So stick around for the Jake podcast coming up now. All right, joining me now on the podcast, very good friend of mine and fellow podcaster, Zach Flaherty. What is going on, man? I'm doing all right, dude. I'm doing my little NFL preview right now. Just had a, uh, another friend of mine on, and we talked a little uh, AFC South. But uh, I love to pick the brain of not only a part-time Cleveland fan slash full-time Cleveland apologist, but also an NFC East guy, which we're going to be seeing a lot of this season. Uh, you like in the Cowboys this year? Zeke Elliott's back for a full schedule, but no Witten, no Dez. What's going on, dude? Well, you know, I, I always say to start off with, uh, you know, talking about the Cowboys. Obviously, you know, you got Elliott, you got a, a very good offensive line. Um, but, you know, they're very young. They're young. They're probably one of the youngest teams in the league right now. Um, so I, I think that's that's definitely a question mark. Uh, I think their defense has – they have ability. I think a lot of the guys have – uh, have big upsides, so we'll see about that. Um, and I also, I always, uh, I always say like the big key to the Cowboys, and especially to Dak Prescott, is whether or not the uh, the president, or the absence of Des Bryant, will uh, help or hurt the Cowboys. Um, because you know, obviously, I, I don't think there's a receiver on the roster as talented or as the pedigree that Des Bryant had. But at the same time. You know, you can clearly tell that the uh, that he and Dak didn't, Dak Prescott didn't mesh, didn't have the best uh, connection. So I'm interested to see whether or not uh, you know these these receivers will better fit uh, you know Dak's sort of mold of a uh, quarterback. You know, it's really interesting you say that because that's right. Dak Prescott came in for Tony Romo and inherited the Tony Romo offense and. If your Uncle Jason wants to kind of get things going under Dak Prescott, maybe it's time to move on from the old faces and get weapons that kind of feature Dak Prescott's ability. They got they got Michael Gallup, right? Was that the receiver they got in the draft? Yeah, I believe they got him in the third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was a fan of his coming out. And, uh, you know, with him and, uh, I mean, Cole Beasley is very underrated. I know he gets talked a lot, but... You need a slot receiver that's dependable, and I, I think he is. So, and you know what? They've always been built on the running game anyway. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they'll sneak back up. I mean, they're not too far removed from being one of the best teams in the NFC two two years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always a firm believer that when you run when you run the ball well, it sets up the pass and. Cowboys uh, over the last couple of years have ran the ball as, as well as anybody in the league. Um, you know, obviously the offensive line's really developed. Um, you know, still, still interested to see whether or not uh, you know Lyle Collins, uh, you know, steps up. 
did play better as the year went on. And uh, also interested to see how rookie second-round pick uh, Connor Williams does at, at guard. Um, but, you know, with, you know with, with guys, I'm also interested in, 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 you know, it'll be interesting to see as well with uh, guys like Tavon Austin and Alan Burns, the way they fit into the offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, time, time will tell. But uh, Dak, Dak's a smart quarterback, and, uh, you know, yeah, you know what? Time will tell. Uh, they're in a very competitive division. You know, there's a lot of turnover in the Redskins with a uh, new running back in play and new quarterbacks in play, and they're getting rid of Ty- Terrell Pryor. It's there's things are changing in Washington. New York is coming off a very bad season, and the only reinforcements they have is a running back and. Uh, you know, who knows if that's going to make the biggest difference to take a three-win team and vault them into contention. And then obviously the Super Bowl winning Eagles seem to be reloading just as they did last year. So they are certainly a threat in the NFC. But moving out of the NFC East, I want to see what your de- opinion is of Des Bryant because apparently the Cleveland Browns have talked about bringing him in. And with the uncertainty of Josh Gordon's availability... Des Bryant, is that a good fit, bad fit in Cleveland? What do you think? Well, well, you know, I think, you know, I mean, obviously, if, if Des Bryant is on top of this game, yeah, it'll definitely be a – Cleveland could be a good fit. But, you know, the thing that worries me is – you know, I think it's pretty clear that uh, – I, I don't know what you think, but, I mean, it, it, it almost seems evident that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the uh, – Agreed. Yeah, I would agree there. I think Tyrod's going to be given every chance to succeed because Hugh Jackson knows his best chance of keeping his job around is winning games, and their best chance of winning games is the guy that took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs last year. Yeah, um, but you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think if, if the Browns were to sign Des Bryant, I think it would, it would, one thing that would be a factor is obviously. Tyrod Taylor is kind of known for, uh, you know, checking the ball down a lot. And, I mean, you could kind of say the same thing about Dak. Um, but I just think that, you know, with, with Todd Haley calling the plays, you know, say what you want about Haley. You know, some people love him. Some people aren't the biggest fans of him. But, you know, with all those receivers he had in Pittsburgh and even back in his days with Arizona, you know, he was able to get the ball in, in the in receiver's hands. And, you know, kind of the same thing if you, with Des. If you, if, you have, if you have the short passes that are kind of set up the long passes, I think that's great. But I always, I, one thing I always kind of question with uh, Linehan calling the plays over the last couple of years is the fact that, you know, a lot of times, yeah, Des is, is good, you know, with the go routes, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to set it up first, and I, I think if if they're able to do that, then you know we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think Des uh, is one of those guys to get him going. You really have to try to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, and the Browns, believe it or not, are not lacking playmakers. You know, this was a team that won zero games last year, won over the past two years. Yet the one thing they don't lack right now are guys that you want to get the ball. You know, David Njoku at tight end and Seth DeValve are guys that can really make plays in open space. The running back trio of Nick Chubb, Carlos Hyde, and Duke Johnson seems to be one of the better trios you can name out there. And then wide receiver, I know Josh Gordon's uncertainty right now, but even outside of him, they have Jarvis Landry. They brought in. Uh, they still have Corey Coleman. They brought in a rookie, Antonio Callaway, and a veteran, Jeff Janis, who both of them might be able to add stuff. This is a, a team with a lot of options, and in an offense for Todd Haley, where it's all about getting your playmakers the ball, and Tyrod Taylor does well at taking care of the ball, I think it's a really good recipe for success. So... Uh, I'm really excited for the Browns this year. I know there's a lot still left. All right, our next guest on the podcast for the training camp preview is none other than OBR's finest, 
Jake Burns, the only other Jake to appear on the Jake podcast. Going to talk some Browns training camp. Jake, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Not much at all. Just uh, like you said, getting ready to uh, hunker down and see what's coming out of training camp till I get up there. I'll be up there this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to try to try to do as many uh, video segments as I possibly can, then I'll be up there the following Saturday, too. So, um, yeah, excited, buddy. Awesome. That's great. I'm a... Uh... I'm really excited this year. I know there's. Uh, I've never actually gone to training camp, but that's on my bucket list. This would have been a great year to go, but because uh, a lot of things going on, not just hard knocks, but the Browns themselves have plenty of storylines, and uh, I think we can't even start talking about the Browns without talking about Josh Gordon. I know a lot of people are very animated on the subject right now. Uh, you were addressing it a lot on Twitter, but I'd just like to get your take right now on what to expect from Josh Gordon kind of this August, September, rolling into the season? Yeah, it's a, it's a nuanced discussion, that's for sure. I, I, don't, I don't think any of us know the certainty for which it's, uh, the whole thing is going to shake out. Um, it, 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 I'd be naive to say that if they, if they prefer Josh Gordon to play and he shows up week one, he proved it last year with having taken a year and a half off, he can show up and he can play just fine. There's no doubt about the ability of Josh Gordon to show up and play. I, I have concerns about the long-term stability and what it says about the franchise that they they keep letting the mis- the mystery and the shroud that it hangs over, um, they keep letting it happen. Now, I, I understand Josh is trying to get to a better place, you know, mentally, physically, says he's better than ever. I, I get it, and I want Josh, you know, Josh Gordon to be okay as a person. I want him to be okay, you know, as, as a human being with the importance of his, 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 I think he has a couple daughters, you know, growing up and being a role model for them. I want them to help him get there. But at the end of the day, this is a football franchise, bottom line, who um, has invested a lot of money into changing the culture of what this team is supposed to be. And now the first thing, the 80% of the introductory press conference questions yesterday a good chunk of what players are discussing today is where's Josh Gordon and what is life like without him again. So it's, it's coming to the point, Jake, where it's, it's, is it worth it to the, is the production that he's given us since 2014, is it worth it for the shroud of mystery and the negativity that has come from the situation? I think that we're to the point where that is a fair discussion to have. Now, if he shows up and he balls out for 16 weeks, maybe we all stop talking about it and it goes away. But, you know, until he puts together more than five games in the season, which he hasn't done since 2013, you continue to wonder, is, is, it, is it really worth it in the long haul here to keep, you know, hanging over their, keep hanging over the franchise's head, this, this situation? Because you know, the Browns are trying to work out of being that perpetual laughing stock, and this is a part of it. They have these player issues that they've had for years. Trent Richardson, Johnny Manziel... Uh, you could go on and on about, you know, all the way back to Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow and these guys with just character concerns. And this is John Dorsey is not shy away from bringing in those types. You know, they they they, they got to try to figure out how to change the culture without risking the type of person that they're bringing in the door. So um, I don't know. I don't have the perfect answer for all of this, but I will say a lot of people that I had back and forth with talk about, well, it, it doesn't affect the players and the NFL's a talent business. Well. At the end of the day, I think it does have an effect on players because if your best player's not there, they know that and they feel let down and the psyche of the, the team can drop. Whether they tell you in an interview or not, I know that the, for a fact this is going to have an impact on, on, the, on the players in that locker room, especially if somebody like Corey Coleman busses butt all through training camp, best shape of his life, has a great camp, and all of a sudden he's displaced week one by a guy who just shows back up. So I, I, I can't speak for anybody. I just think that it's getting to the point. I'm not saying it's there, but it's getting to the point where if the Browns cut ties with them, it is very understandable from a football franchise standpoint. You know what? I'm I'm glad you addressed it longer than you know 140 characters or however long a tweet is because it does take longer than one tweet to really explain. I think you're right. I think we are at the point of having the conversation, not cutting ties just yet because I'm on line with, look, they've waited it out they've gone through the biggest of the of the PR nightmares and I think it would be kind of a shame to just let cut them loose right now but I do think it's fair to look at him and say listen this is a distraction I'm you and I have both been in football locker rooms we know that 
anything a player does can be a distraction. So I, I, I'm with you 100% there that I do think not just to the wide receiver room, but to the offense, but to the whole team, that this could be a distraction. Not to mention there are more cameras than ever because of HBO being there. So I, I do agree. I think this is worth uh, a discussion. But you know what? If Adam Schefter's right and this whole thing is uh, him just being proactive and he's and he's only gone for like two weeks or so, I mean, I could see this being swept away as, and you know what, this was this was okay and this wasn't all too bad in the end. Hopefully Adam Schefter's right and hopefully most of Brown's Twitter is wrong. Uh, yeah, I think I think you know people are just going to always assume the worst, and 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 it's just with Josh, it's four or five times now it's happened. Um, we want to believe it's going to be two weeks, and I'm of the I hope it is two weeks, and I, I have no reason to think it isn't going to be two weeks. But with the introductory press conference where the Browns wouldn't deny the suspension, I get there's a bunch of HIPAA rules that comes into place, but the NFL has, has put it out there, uh, whether it's official or not, that they're not suspending him. Um, and the Browns wouldn't even say whether they're expecting a suspension. They could have very easily said in that press conference, we are not expecting a suspension for him um, or anything like that. So who knows? I don't know. There's too much mystery. I can't make a definitive note on it. I know that if he gets suspended again, it's, it has to spell the end of all of this. Um, you know, you just, you just, you're keeping your fingers crossed with Josh all the time. We all want him to be well as a person, but it gets to the point as you know, is football worth it for him? Is it, is it going to be worth it for the Browns? And it's kind of like you said, and I'm trying to say here, that it's coming to a crossroad. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, speaking of headaches, PR nightmares, the Browns are bringing in, uh, not bringing in, but they have discussed Des Bryant. They've also discussed Pac-Man Jones. Apparently he's in on, uh, I don't know if it's a tryout or a workout, or but Pac-Man Jones, who I'll admit he's, maybe my least favorite professional athlete of all time for the obvious reasons. I mean, it's, it, it, you don't have to explain why, but I mean, you're, you were right to say, I thought they were changing character. I thought they were, you know, changing everything. And all of a sudden they bring in a couple guys, whether they're the undrafted guys or Antonio Callaway, now Des Bryant and Pac-Man Jones, two of the bigger headaches of the last, you know, decade of football. Uh, what's, what do you take away? Do you think either of these guys could be helpful or a fit on the team, or would it be too much of a negative for the Browns franchise? Good question. I think Des Bryant is is, is somebody we remember from like 2013, 2014. That's not, he's not the same receiver anymore, yeah. and there's no denying it. He is not quite ample enough, uh, nimble of feet, the burst he used to have when he came out of Oklahoma State that he can create separation on the outside. He is, since his injury plagued year, which I believe was two years ago, the 2015 season, he missed an extended period of time. He has not been the same receiver. Um, I, I I can see where the Browns might think it's worth it, it all depends on Josh. If nothing happens to Josh, I don't think it's an, it's, a, it's even remotely considered. Agreed. Yeah. I un, I, yeah, and I understand considering it if Josh is down and out. Um, I get the consideration, but like you said, at some point, you have to be concerned with the type of person that's walking in the door. Too many of them are going to cause a problem if things go south. You start 0-3, you start 1-4. Those guys bog down the locker room. It is no secret that Des Ryan, is a, is a, at least in the last few years, has been a plague, a cancer in a locker room. Um, if things aren't going his way, and, and, and I just don't think the risk is worth it anymore. And, you know, Pac-Man Jones is like, these coaches must know a different version of the person that the public knows because what the public sees of him and thinks of him is completely different than apparently what some teams think of him. I get the connection here. You know, Hugh Jackson was a former, you know, Cincinnati Bengal offensive coordinator. He was a part of uh, things there for a while. So they formed a relationship. This might just be John Dorsey doing a, you know, might be him doing uh, Hugh Jackson a favor bringing in Pac-Man for a workout. But I just, I would be hard-pressed to see them bring in two more character concerned guys on a team that is trying to change the culture. The culture to me right now is more important than bringing in a slight talent upgrade. I don't think Des Bryant is really a talent upgrade at all from Corey Coleman at this point. I don't see the point. And I don't see where Pac-Man Jones separates himself from EJ Gaines and TJ Carey and even Denzel Ward to, to, to justify that move. Now, Brashad Breeland's a different conversation. Um, one that I think that they should entertain if they can, if he gets out of Indy tonight without a contract. So, um, my answer to the long-form answer to your question is I would avoid them both. Um, I don't see a need 
uh, pressing absolute need for them at this point uh, that justifies risking even more character concern issues on a team that is packed with uh, with some issues as it is. Or not, and they're not issues, but they're you know they're they're toe in the line types as it is right now. You know, uh, you brought up Breland. Uh, I'll throw Sam Beal into this conversation as well as cornerbacks. The Browns have worked out this summer, or at least looking at this summer. You know, in April, I was looking at the DBs and thinking, man, we've got a good group. They brought in four new guys that are going to, you know, fight for playing time right away with Ward, Mitchell, Carey, and Gaines. And that's adding to a room that already had Body Calhoun. I mean, am I missing something? Are we are like are we lacking at corner, or are the like am I hyping these guys up a little too much? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's a great question. I, I, I tweeted that out this morning. Apparently, there's a cornerback dilemma going on in Berea because they're looking at a bunch of different guys. Maybe they don't they didn't like what OTAs and many camp provided from from Carey and from 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 EJ Gaines. I know there's been some issues from within the locker room about Gaines was promised things that he wasn't getting. Pete yeah, Smith had mentioned that, that. Uh, mm-hmm. he had a source on that. So. I don't, I don't know. They're, they they, they want to foster uh, competition. Apparently, Greg Williams loves a uh, different variety of corners. I, if, I'm, a, I'm all about it. If Rashad Breeland's fine, if he's healthy, I know he's, his contract yeah. with the Panthers was voided. If he's good enough and he's, he's worth it, bring it in. He doesn't seem to have that many. You haven't heard a ton of issues from his. And he had a pretty good year last year. So, I, you know, I'm okay with it. Bring him in. I, I just don't. I don't think it's worth risking character on top of, you know, bringing others in. But, you know, your, your original question I thought they were set at corner, too. This has been a surprise for me. I understood the idea of Sam Beal, the idea of a youngster that would replace, um, oh, shoot, Jamar injured Taylor. his shoulder. Help me out. Taylor, McCordy. Draw on a blank. Youngster, the, the kid the kid out of Houston. Oh, yeah, Howard Wilson. Sure. Yeah, Howard Wilson. I don't yeah. know. I'm drawing it's a total brain fart there. But, yeah, so they're replacing Howard Wilson with somebody young who they can kind of in pseudo red shirt sure and yeah. it made sense so um you know the only other name here that makes sense is breland um i i, I and i get that because it could it could they could be uh, having seen otas in minicamp they, they could be unpleased with something there it's clear Bodie calhoun is bumping back to safety in some capacity when they go too high i don't I don't know. I don't know. His his year will be something to keep an eye on. Whether they even give him slot snaps. So yeah, um, it's murky, man. It's murky. I don't know what they, they think they have. I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know if they're going to bring anybody else in. The the idea that they're working out multiple guys and they had all that interest in Sam Beal makes me think they're not content with where that locker room's at in that position. So I expect them to bring somebody else in. Hopefully, it's not somebody that carries a you know a backpack of uh, character concerns. I guess we'll have to find out Tuesdays at ten on HBO. There you go. Uh, yeah, that starts this Tuesday, right? Uh, it, I believe it's this following Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's this upcoming week. Wow. No, 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 no. It's definitely August. It's not. It doesn't start till August. Actually, yeah, I have no I idea. Right. To be honest. Okay. Um, to finish. <laughs> yeah. To finish up. Uh, there were a couple things, you know, um, to to look out for going into this camp. Is there a certain camp battle you're really looking forward to watching? Myself. I'm looking at left tackle, uh, but I mean, I'm, what do you what do you got? I think left tackle is more uh, over than we think it is. I think when when Joe Thomas says he's not a you know Austin Corbett's not a tackle, and, and I I just don't see Greg Robinson's there, but he's he's one of the worst guys to suit up the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Sean Coleman's position, and they're going to let him ride with it this year. I, I don't love that. I'm not a big Sean Coleman fan, but it is what it is. They think he's. A natural left tackle that's replayed at Auburn. You know, Miles Garrett built him up a little bit too. It sounds like they're putting Pub behind him playing left tackle. So I'm with you. That position is of intrigue. I just don't know if it's going to be a, a true okay. battle. Okay. Um, the the linebacker spot is very interesting. Who's gonna Who's gonna be on the field a majority of the time? Um, you know, between uh, everybody that they brought in, they're the three main starters, and then um, Kendricks that they that they that they brought in. Um, you know, and then I was reading some things about Jannard Avery taking some reps with the first team at Sam today, a little yeah. bit here and there, and I'm sure that's going to happen. Jannard Avery's highly talented, uh, one of the better pass rushing linebackers in college football last year, just a freak specimen athlete. So um, that linebacker, how they use those, I think they have five guys who can play um, with 
without a doubt. How they use those guys will be very interesting. And then wide receiver, you know, who's going to get the first team snaps? It's going to be Corey and Jarvis, but who's going to be that third wide receiver on the field without Josh? Is it going to be Rashard Higgins? Carter Lewis is out. Is Jeff Janis going to get some snaps? I'm reading that Damian Ratley left the field today on a cart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're a little thin there all of a sudden. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be wide receiver, linebacker, where a majority of my attention will go. There's also D-tackle, who's going to be first team guys? Who's, is it going to be Coley, Ogunjobi, who's on the second unit there? So th- those are little intrigue places, but linebacker, definitely. Wide receiver, definitely. Yeah, no, there. I mean, plenty of interesting things going along. I mean, the good thing about them improving in a lot of areas are it seems like it's good competition as opposed to uh, who's the best that we've got. It's like, no, there are going to be good guys that aren't on the field. Uh, the Kendrick signing showed that because – the Browns already had three pretty highly graded linebackers. You know, all of a sudden, Jamie Collins' time isn't guaranteed coming back from injury. So it's it's yep. very interesting. It's definitely there. And then obviously, you know, if Coleman could you know stay healthy, it, it I'm we're all really excited to see him actually play and be out there. So uh, do you think there's a quarterback battle at all? Uh, I'm I know that there isn't. I don't think there is, and I think uh, the rest of the world has to hear it from more Cleveland people that there is no quarterback battle. So what do you think? I think there's a world where there's a quarterback battle. Um, Right now, there's not. Um, Everybody is standing firmly behind Tyrod, but there is, uh, and I I, I will say this because I've had conversations. I think Tyrod starts all 16 games this year. That's my prediction, but there is a world in which Baker Mayfield lights up camp he lights up preseason the Browns start 0-2 and uh there's pressure um Mm -hmm. and there's going to be pressure from the media pressure from fans and I would understand um if if Baker's playing well in in camp he's playing well in the preseason he's playing well in the you know practices during the regular season that um then it becomes a battle I think there's a world where it becomes a battle um it's a world we don't want to live in because that means the Browns are losing to start the year but um there is, there is a spot in which that becomes something. To answer your question right now, I don't think there is a battle, and that's probably the right decision. But it is something to keep an eye on throughout camp and preseason because, like I said, if Baker, Baker lights it up, there are going to be people who are going to be pushing for that kid to, to take that job right away. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Listen, Jake, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'm definitely going to want to pick your ear the further we go into training camp. So, uh, listen, I really appreciate it, and uh, I will talk to you soon. You got it, man, anytime. All right, take care. All right, so that concludes this training camp preview. Very exciting stuff uh, from all our guests. I really appreciate everyone for coming on. Uh, very excited for the Browns and the NFL season altogether. We should be checking back in on these training camps as the month of August comes through. Uh, very exciting times. Really got to love football, and football season is back. Thank you to Zach Flaherty, Jake Burns, Stephen Lorenzo, and all of my emailers with calls and uh, and questions. Really appreciate it. The one thing I didn't get to talk to Jake about, which I know he'll be very passionate about going forward, is how many more college high school gimmicks are the Browns going to try and pull? Started with the Earn Your Stripes. Now it's the Hard Land. Uh, I, I'm, I, for one, don't mind the type of stuff. But when you think about it, it's like, yeah, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Haven't they already earned those stripes? So, uh, fun stuff, though. Really love this episode every year. And uh, look forward to talking more football as the month goes on. Thanks for everyone for listening, and I'll check back next week. Hey, Jaker, always, always a pleasure. Great talking to you. And, hey, keep the faith. Hang in there. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Rough, rough. <laughs> I love that. Thanks a lot, Zach. See you around. All right, buddy. Have a good night. All right, you too.